Welcome to Green Wave Radio. Your episode starts now. Welcome to Green Wave Radio. I'm Hayden Kim. Science is important, but with the outbreak of COVID-19 and the challenges that come with it, science needs to find a way to continue. Today, two students will tell us about the virtual Delburton Science Fair and taking science into their own hands. First, we will listen to Will Lee from the class of 2021 about arranging the virtual Delburton Science Fair. Then we will hear from Travis Ehrenberg from the class of 2022 about his participation in two different science fairs. We have a lot to talk about in so little time. Take it away, Will. Hi, I'm William Lee. I'm a junior at Delbarton School. Can you give me a timeline of the events leading up to the science fair? Yeah, so um, last year we had our first annual Delbarton Science Fair. Um, and this year we obviously wanted to do it again. Um, maybe it'll make it a bigger, make it a bit uh, flashier. Um, so that was our original plan going in from September. Um, and then come February, when it was kind of time to start planning the fair, we saw that coronavirus was kind of spreading throughout the world um, and into the U.S. So we started making contingency plans um, to consider dual planning the possibility of a virtual online science fair. And come March, that became inevitability. So we started thinking about online platforms to use and decided to kind of move ahead with kind of this website format that we ended up doing. And at the time, I, I was in contact with a couple kids from other schools, and they were telling me about how um, their own school science fairs were canceled. Um, and as a person who knows how much work it takes to kind of do high school research, um, I thought it'd be a shame um, if all of that work would go without exhibition and without showcase. Um, so we at Delbarton decided um, that um, we would try to like include those other schools. So we kind of rebanded our, our school science fair into um, a state science fair that like eventually kind of culminated in our, in our big showcase on April 27th. Who are some of your biggest supporters in um, arranging and organizing the science fair? I mean, obviously, um, a, tr- a ton of people were involved. I would not be able to do this by myself. Um, the administration was super, super supportive. They gave us the okay on everything. My teachers were very supportive. To be honest, the week of the science fair, I was spending like 16 plus hours a day um, trying to get things together last minute where we're working through logistical difficulties. There's very little way I could possibly do homework, um, go to class. I, I went to class, um, but like do homework and things like that. So um, my teachers were very accommodating. They gave me um, time to make up work. I didn't end up doing any homework that week, which was instrumental in finding the time to kind of put all this all together. Of course, Mr. Bittler, Mr. Throw, Mr. O'Connell are three um, faculty advisors um, were, were instrumental. We bounced ideas off them. Um, they were kind of our, our contact point with administration, um, and they helped out a lot in terms of the planning itself. Um, and Ms. Lutis, who's now um, one of our new faculty moderators, um, she was instrumental in getting all the middle school projects together, organizing that whole section of the fair, so I didn't really have to worry about that as much. Working with other teachers at other schools, um, they were all very responsive to their emails. Um, they helped get hundreds of kids together um, to submit their projects, um, so they were very, very helpful. I also reached out to um, other science fairs um, and the coordinators for those science fairs that happened physically, asked them for advice, um, which helped me um, kind of map out how I was going to approach this um, virtual science fair. And most importantly, um, my friends and my, my student leaders, um, uh, Colin Sutter, was very helpful in getting um, the kind of website to look nicer. He's really, really great with graphic design and that stuff. 
Um, Cole Kiefer, Stephen Daly, and Jack Nelson are our three co-presidents. Were instrumental. I'd call them at like 2 a.m. I'm freaking out when I said I think this thing would work, or um, I needed something to get done. I just email them or, or call them, and they just get it done right right away. Um, and it wouldn't have been possible without the efforts of these people. What was your biggest challenge going from a physical science fair to a virtual one? Um, probably that I didn't know what to expect. Going in, I I didn't expect the scale um, of of the fair. Um, I think there's a lot of things that we had to adapt, a lot of issues that we didn't see coming, just because this is kind of like an unprecedented action for, for almost all of us. So because it's a virtual fair, I think one of the big advantages is that we could make the fair a lot larger. We could, instead of having just a couple kids, we could have hundreds of kids. Um, but coming as part of that is um, not knowing um, how to deal with that many kids, um, organizing that many judges, that many kids, that many participants, um, which is a big hassle. Um, and to be honest, I think that I was a bit too lenient with the the um, the entry process, the registration process. So I didn't even imagine that we'd have this many kids. So I kind of started off the registration process in a very, very flexible way. I was like, oh, just show interest. You don't have any like official registration. And I set the deadline for product submission very, very close to the um, fair date. And I was expecting maybe like 80 kids. And we ended up with like three times that. Um, which caused a lot of issues because we were trying to be as accommodating as we can with coronavirus. But what ends up happening is um, the easier you make it for other people, the harder it is for yourself. Do I regret that? Maybe a little, but I think it was definitely worthwhile in the end. What was the most rewarding experience in the process of creating the virtual science fair? Um, rewarding experience? Probably the emails I got, um, the support I got. It was just just a ton of support from other people. I got emails from just Middle schoolers who are participating in the science fair, high schoolers who are participating in the science fair, they're all just very appreciative of the work I was doing. Um, and it kind of felt like the stuff that I was kind of pouring my soul into um, was really meaningful for people, um, which made the whole experience just so incredible. Um, obviously, the Fox News interview is great. Um, getting retweeted by the White House is great. But more than that, it's just the, the really, really positive feedback, um, the gratitude I got from other people, um, and just the acknowledgement of of the stuff that I was doing kind of gave me the drive to kind of make the fair as good as it could possibly be. Really what I wanted out of the fair more than just organizing the science fair and, all, and kind of having a nice exhibition is just trying to make quarantine better for kids in New Jersey. And that feedback um, made me realize that I, that I achieved my goal. That was Will Lee. Next up, we have Travis Amberg talking about his project comparing the proclivity of insect larvae to decompose polystyrene. Don't worry. Don't worry. I don't know what that means either. But Travis will tell us all about it. Take it away. I'm Travis Ehrenberg, and I graduate in 2022. What gave you the idea for this project? Um, initially, I saw it in an article from Stanford University, and they basically said that Cenebrio molitor, which is a type of darkling beetle, can consume polystyrene. So I wanted to expand it to other groups of larvae. Like, uh, And in this experiment, I expanded it to five other types of larvae besides the Tenebrio molitor. Can you explain some of the scientific terms you've been using throughout the interview today? So the most important term is polystyrene. And basically, just to give an example of what it means, styrofoam is a brand of polystyrene. So polystyrene is kind of all types of styrofoam, basically. Um, the types of larvae that I used, we have first the Zephobus morio. Uh, they're a species of darkling beetle. 
the Tenebria Molitor, which is also a type of Darkling Beetle. That's the one the Stanford researchers used. The Tenebria Molitor, again, except this time with an added hormone. And basically, this hormone just makes them larger, and they turn red. Uh, and these are usually used for pet consumption. Um, we have the Dermestes Maculatus that I used. They're museum beetles. That's They're also known as that. And the Hermetia elucens, who are fly larvae. They're black soldier fly larvae. And then also I use the Galleria melanella, which is a type of wax moth. But um, all of these, every single type of larvae that I use, they're all holometabolists, which means they basically um, are fully metamorphic. So they go from egg to larva to pupa to adult. And adult meaning either beetle or uh, moth or fly or whatever I used in the experiment. How long have you been working on this particular project? Um, a while now. <laughs> it originally started as a freshman project, so probably at least a year and a half ago. But it's been very rewarding, even though it's very time-consuming. The actual experiment, like from start to end, took 20 weeks. Um, but besides that, we also had making like a slideshow, which took a lot of time, uh, setting up for the Nokia Bell Lab Science Fair, which took a lot of time. So I would say at least it, it took at least a year and a half to do the entire thing from start to end. Can you tell me what your setup at home looks like? Yeah, so this is going to be funny. If you could picture a corner of a garage with um, a plastic table and basically just six clear containers of just six clear plastic containers with larvae and polystyrene inside of them. That's It's basically it. And then on the side somewhere, there's a scale so I can weigh it. Um, it wasn't too fancy. It wasn't too complex. It was super easy to do. But um, you could also, if I could add one thing into that room, it would have been a fan because the larvae smelled so bad. It was ridiculous. Uh, it got to the point where I had to wear a mask when I was doing it, and it was really bad. Like, I would say... It goes so far as to be a toxic odor. Yeah, I basically did the entire thing in my garage. How do you think a project like this could affect the future? It will affect the future in a lot of different ways. The first, basically, the most important one is if somehow scientists could take the bacteria or the chemical inside of the larvae's stomach, which allows them to digest the styrofoam, basically, you could make a man made chemical which could. Um, biodegrade the polystyrene without any of the negatives of actually using live larvae. So basically some, a lot of, all the larvae we did, um, like for example, they all had an awful smell. Like the smell was awful. If you made a man-made chemical, it would eliminate the smell completely. So basically the man-made chemical would be better in every single way possible. But another way is if in a, in a perfect world, the Zephobus Morio ate 25% of the polystyrene, so they ate one gram out of the four grams possible. So in a perfect world, if you took all of the polystyrene in the entire world and put it into one container somehow and then got a ton of larvae and put it on top of the polystyrene, it would technically, in a perfect world, be possible to eat 25% of the polystyrene in a 20-week period. Um, and that could be huge, because if we could eliminate... 25% of all polystyrene on the earth that we're not using, it, it would be amazing. The world would be a, a much better place. What are your future plans in research? Yeah, good question. Um, right now, I am beginning to do another experiment with the Zephobus Morio. 
And basically what I'm going to do is take polystyrene and soak it in apple juice or apple cider or something like that to see if they would they would eat more of a polystyrene soaked with apple juice compared to normal polystyrene. Because if I can make it so – because – okay, this is my reasoning. Larvae like apples. Like they like, they like sweet stuff like that, okay? So if you took polystyrene and soaked it in a kind of sweet substance – would they like to eat that type of polystyrene with apple juice on it more than normal polystyrene? And would they eat more of it? Because if that can be, if that happens and I can get them to eat like even 30%, that's still a massive increase compared to the 25% they ate initially. So that could be huge in the future for polystyrene consumption. Who at Alboten would you say helped you the most in creating your project? Oh, Huatel Barton, definitely Mr. Thoreau. It's kind of a no question about it. He helped me basically from start to finish with the entire thing, uh, including Freshman Project all the way up into Nokia Bell Labs and then the Del Barton Science Fair also. So basically, he's kind of been the most helpful person in the entire experiment. Um, if I could do another person, it would probably be Will Lee, just because he was also in the NJRSF Science Fair and the Nokia Bell Lab Science Fair, so he kind of helped me with that. And because he also helped me a lot with the Del Barton Science Fair, and props to him for setting that up, too. Can you give me the list of awards that you were able to win? Yeah, so I won three awards. I won this thing so I could basically publish my work. Um, it's Journal of, Inv Journal of Emerging Investigators, so it's a magazine that I can publish my works in. I won the Karen Kranz Memorial Award, which is for people working on their own without the help of the school. And I also won my category, which is the Environmental Sciences category. So that was – there was a ton of people applied for that. A ton of people. There was hundreds of people in the entire science fair, and I won my category. So that made me very happy. That was Travis Ehrenberg. Collectively, Travis and Will Lee won six awards at the North Jersey Regional Science Fair, also known as the Nokia Bell Science Fair, out of 151 projects. Will, for his work, won second place in his category of computer science, the Air Force Award for conducting research in areas of interest to the Air Force, and the Mu Alpha Theta Award for outstanding math project. These two accomplished individuals represent their button amazingly, and I expect to see a lot more from them in the future. I hope you learned from this episode as much as I did from interviewing these amazing people. Thank you for listening and see you next time.